happened in the 90s. Matt was the fat kid, Steve was the flat kid. Life wasn't always great, but you know what was? The 90s happened in the 90s. Yeah! Lady Stetson. Independence. A declaration of independence. Wear it. Is it a hardcore? Th- is I don't know if is marching band nerd the most hardcore of '90s nerds, Steve. That that is hardcore. That's like immediate nerd. That's yeah. it was embarrassing. Top tier. You want to remember? You want to know a mortifying moment? It was mortifying because they, you know, I was in marching band, so we had to go play at like football games every Friday night anyway, do a halftime thing, which was stupid. But you're like far away, you know, and it's parents and shit. But uh, when we graduated, we had to like sit with everybody, and then there was a moment in the graduation ceremony where they're like the band please stand and come to the we had to like play in front of everybody and i was like oh god hello me dude i i i was actually good at playing an instrument but i was so embarrassed that by doing it and i like it was i loved hanging out with the people in the like hans there was a cup, Michelle, like those people. It was cool to hang out with those people, but I don't know what it I was just like, God forbid people see me walking around in this smock, Perrysburg High School smock. They had like moose hats, Steve. We had to wear like a, a, a foot tall, furry, what I can only like compare to the thing Fred Flintstone wore at the lodge meetings, like that kind of shit. And I'm a 250 pound teen, Steve. I mean, this is some shit that, this is heavyweights. You're waiting for the jocks to come like pants you type shit, dude. It's, it was mortifying, but hey, I did it. So whatever. Uh, I could, I could never. You were a fucking jock, Steve. You're out there fucking just being a fucking baller. While I was sitting there eating Pizza Hut with fucking Ajay Jetly and Hans. After a fresh marching band slash. I didn't play all four years. Halfway through, I said, fuck y'all. I didn't care about Perrysburg, anything. I didn't have school pride or any, like, fuck yellow oh. jackets. Fuck the football team, the basketball team. Uh, like, fuck Perrysburg as a record label and as a crew. I mean, we both came in late. We weren't, like, Perrysburg K through 12, you know? And when I got there, yeah. man, I hated it, Steve. I made it work, but I hated that place so much when I first moved there. Even if I was K through twelve, I the damn I, I'd hate to imagine being there K through twelve. I'd be a completely different person. You'd be brainwashed, but, dude. You'd be fucking. Oh. You'd be like mowing a lawn in a fucking comfortable sweater right now and some slacks. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I don't know, but yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. But you know, we made it work, Steve. You and I had some fun there. We had I some, think. we had some fun in Bowling Green. A couple of, a lot of illegal activity, but we made it. You know, we made it our oyster for a while, and then we bounced. Uh, ridiculing K 
Harrisburg, Ohio. I think that's what brought us together and our dislike, oh, yeah. disdain for And this. our love of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Give me a hell yeah! And then Raw is War and WCW and whatnot. You, me, and uh, Devin used to fucking just really just sort of give a like a rundown of the events of Monday Night Raw and shit. I remember that specifically. I always enjoyed that. Every week, amongst other things. Look at some titties and shit, you know. Oh, that's unprofessional, Steve. That's scramble vision. You know who's calling me right now? Doolin. Brendan Doolin. What's he up to? Should have should have answered. Put him on speaker. He's in jail right now. Oh. <laughs> uh, no commissary for you, buddy. Well. What's in is out, what's out is in If you don't know where we're on earth have you been yeah. Don't try to sell me, I know what tastes good While the best thing's always so misunderstood Just give me what the doctor ordered Just what the doctor ordered Hey, give me a Dr. Pepper with your Boys and girls, this is Steve G and Mad G with Happened in the 90s, the show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So get out your Kirby Puckett jerseys and your SWV tapes, because my heart starts beating triple time with thoughts of loving you on my mind. I can't figure out just what to do when the cause and cure is you. Whoa. I get man. so weak in the knees. I can hardly speak. I lose all control. And something takes over me in a daze. You're so amazing. It's not a face. I want to stay with you. Man, somebody, some chick's panties are just dripping in your apartment complex, Steve. Can't explain why my love. Is that a leak? Is there a pipe leak? Or something Fucking. Janice upstairs is fucking leaking right now. <laughs> Word to Michael Winslow. You know, he was just on uh, one of those like America's Got. I think it was America's Got Talent, dude. It's like, damn, bro. Can we get a Spaceballs 2 made and give this guy some work, something, please? Was he a judge or was he perf- like a... He was in the shit. He was performing like to win the shit. And it's like, what? you already won 20 years ago, bro. Yeah, dude, you were in movies and shit when we were little, little kids. He's a voice instrumentalist, Steve. I think he's had some like really, I don't want to besmirch him too much because I do remember when I was in film school, somebody actually did a documentary about him because they met him at like a doctor's office and I think he had some like personal tragedy. So I don't want to bring the episode down. We totally can shit on him. That's fine. But yeah, I think uh, maybe he just needed some money. So he's like, fuck it. I got some talent. Brett Michaels is gonna be on there. You know, he's gonna come out, fucking do a couple of tunes next year. All our idols are just, they're, they're falling to the wayside, Steve. 
they're growing stale. That Father Time, Infinity and O. And uh, this week, this time around, we're talking about all things October 27th in the 90s. Starting off in 1990, SNL, they're airing the episode with musical guest Mariah Carey and your host, Patrick Swayze. Swayze God. That is just peak, Steve. This is Swayze, really, when he's he's fully invested, you know. It's all there. The, the blowout hair, the chisel yeah. features. Um and I don't wanna I don't wanna dwell on this because this is a groundbreaking episode. This is a mem- this is a historic episode of SNL. It will live in the annals of one of the greatest sketches of all time. But before we get into it, I just gotta give a big like suck my dick to peacock because i watched this episode on peacock i pay good money and yet when i watch an snl episode it's missing skits it's missing you don't see the musical guests and in this case steve i'm telling you fucking chippendales was not one of the fucking skits that they showed on this shit and to cut that from like where you watch SNL, I mean, eat all the dick. Does Lauren know about this? Oh, he totally knows about it, and I'm sure like the reason behind it is because it's available on his bet on Farley's Best of or something of that nature. Uh, they do that with a couple of these groundbreaking skits, and that groundbreaking skit is really, I think, the reason why we chose to cover it. Yeah, um, of course it is. I mean. Dirty dancing, square dancing, great. I mean, this is a great episode of SNL. And I'm sure, and another thing, again, I don't want to dwell. We can leave after this, but you've cut the best thing on something that is probably top five moments in SNL history. I mean, this was something you saw, I mean, forever. And like you said, it's on his best stuff. But then this is a general complaint. First of all, Maybe you cut a few things, whatever. I don't agree in cutting shit. I think you should put everything out there, put it all in there, including the music. Because I get there's like licensing rights and whatever. There shouldn't be that. This is a historical document at this point. This is something that aired. And I think for like the musical artists, like Mariah Carey, she doesn't need anybody's help. She's not losing anything if you show her on this. And the only thing that's happening is maybe some young kid who doesn't know who the fuck Mariah Carey is, I mean, shame on you, but there are those kids young enough where that happens. Maybe they watch this. Maybe they go, who the fuck's Patrick Swayze? Who, who's this Mariah Carey? And then they get to watch you and you get new fans. But they don't let you watch the fucking musical guest, Steve. And I think just somebody get, let's get the higher ups involved here because this is a tragedy. And this is a complete travesty of justice because again, you've cut... 100% the heart of this episode out. The greatest thing, one of the greatest moments in SNL history. If you didn't know about it, you wouldn't even know. All of that. And I mean, Sorry. that's what makes this episode. <laughs> that's what makes this episode 28 minutes. I mean, yeah, I mean, you had to let off some steam, buddy. So, uh, yeah, like it, it wasn't just the Chippendale skit that was cut, uh, there were some other key moments of it of any SNL skit or episode uh which was the opening montage um I mean the uh the monologue opening monologue um and I mean 
from the review I got, it wasn't much. Uh, he, Patrick Swayze does like a little dancing bit. Um, and I guess his wife shows up in the monologue. Uh, oh, okay. But, That's yeah. who Lisa Niemi is. I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, and there's also a Hans and Franz that's not on this. They, I think they did a ghost parody or a sequel parody skit. Yeah, pumping up with Hans and Franz. Uh, that one got a five star. Uh, it's a fantasy sequence of Patrick uh, riding a horseback, riding and eventually being joined by Franz. That sounds fucking hilarious. Um, and yeah, the ghost, they do that. Uh, that one got four and a half stars, so we missed another good one. But then we run into a tax ad uh, by the late Sam Walton, uh, the namesake of Walmart. And this is a recurring bit throughout the episode. Uh, he offers $100,000 to anyone who opposes a tax hike. Um, I guess that's to save his own back pocket. Yeah, it's for the rich. So he's like, you know what? You, sign, you, you tell your governor that you don't want this to happen. Send the letter. You do that. Send us a copy of it. I'm going to give you 100K. That's all you need to do. And, you know, he's, he's pretty blasé about it. And this is the founder of Walmart. So the guy's got money to throw. And obviously this is important. But, yeah, so that's the first one. Um, we do get a dirty dancing thing at the beginning that we were able to watch. Um, or at least I was. And that one was pretty funny. It's like oh, oh, dirty yeah. square dancing. And, uh, you know, Swayze comes in looking, looking just like Satan, basically. He's in a, like a black outfit. He's looking cool as fuck. And they're like, I don't know. You're not supposed to be here. But he has some piece of paper. And then they, I think it's like Phil Hartman, I think, is the guy that's like yeah. the square dance guy. And he's, you know, saying all kinds of dirty shit. You know, pull up her skirt and make her squirt stuff like that just a lot of weird shit <laughs> yeah lift your dress and dig in her crotch or some shit yeah. <laughs> yeah i think fucking uh swayze even munches a little box at the end like he lifts the chick up and then like motorboats or twat which yeah, is pretty you know this is an snl i mean this is getting pretty spicy steve and uh, that was actually the the code open we we totally skipped that man uh, the dirty square dancing and it, it's rare that the host shows up in the code opening but here we are um something Crazy, also dude. important yeah that's the power of sways and uh, <laughs> uh something important to note this was rob schneider his first episode as an official cast member he, he had uh, appeared in previous episodes but he's officially and formally introduced in this one <clears throat> I can't remember if, what if he was in anything I saw, but yeah, this is this is the cast, Steve. When he becomes like the main in the main cast, like the, all the hitters are here. I mean, Dennis Miller's still here, which we know you love. Um, but there's also this hilarious, <laughs> weird sketch called Super Feud. That's like this weird. <laughs> it's like a. Compilation of songs from these two feuding Latino like crooner guys. Uh, Swayze's one of them, and I, Dana Carvey's the other one, right? Yeah, yeah, and they look like they look like '80s stand-up comedians <laughs> in the way they're dressed. They have like just wacky suits on, but uh, Dana Carvey has got a like heavy child molester vibe in this. It's very weird. He had a eye job. 
He had an eye job, but then there was another one. He stuffed his trousers. <clears throat> he stuffed his trousers with a plastic penis. Yeah, that, their, their feud songs all like ramp up because I think at first it's like one ton of fan mail, da da da, and then the other guy's like yeah. two tons of fan mail, <laughs> da yeah. da da, and then yeah, they go into the personal shit. <laughs> so, but it was weird. Like that's there was a lot of weirdness in that in this uh, sh- episode, and again, that's why we liked this cast because whoever was writing this Conan O'Brien all the hitters I think Bob Odenkirk was he was definitely in because he's in one of the skits right uh, but they're writing some weird shit and it's hilarious and uh, next we have another tax ad with uh, Sam Walton and he's rescinding his previous deal he now offers a chance to win a hat unlike the first one this was this has an actual funny message with Phil Walton realizing he couldn't possibly pay out the insane amount of money he offered in the first ad. Uh, his new offer being a raffle where the winner receives Walton's hat. Yeah, he did the math wrong, Steve. He's like, I, um, guys, I'm sorry. I know what I said before, but that's absolutely insane. So, uh, you know, go about the same thing. If you do this letter thing, I'm going to put the letter in a barrel. And if this fucking tax thing doesn't pass... If I'm successful, then I'm going to send you a hat. I'll pull your name out of the barrel. You're going to get this dope-ass hat. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Again, weird. But, dude, I don't remember Sam Walton, like, seeing Sam Walton. I always thought he was, like, the Wizard of Oz. It was just, like, this rich old dude that was just, like, in some high tower someplace. Like, yes. Look at these fat people buy chips. (laughs) Like he doesn't have a face, he just pets his cat next yeah. to his computer. He's got some fucking metal hands and spikes and shit. It might be Dr. Claw for all we know, Steve. I had never seen the guy. I'll get you gadget next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next we go into weekend update and again still Dennis Miller and it is a I'm with you you notice how big of a turd this was because first of all Dennis Miller's fucking just he's clean cut he's a douche and then we cut to what's his name a Whitney Brown and I remember this guy like in a very small way he looks like a child molester and while he gives a very articulate uh opinionated thing about the government how it works and how everybody's getting fucked over i agree with everything he's saying it's it's boring as shit yeah i mean he was a recurring guest on the show and i believe he passed away uh no i got him mixed up with someone else no he's still with us Uh, he was born in charlotte michigan july 8th 1952 a Whitney but I mean he's you know he gives like a diatribe about the government but yeah snoozer I mean this was hey babe there wasn't even any of that there was just like it almost was like and a funny thing that happened I noticed at the end of it Dennis Miller didn't get to do his full sign off they like played his music and he you could tell he was visibly pissed off because they like cut his ass off and he was like well well and then you just see him go Hey, much. I mean, well, that's how we feel about Dennis, though. Uh, but uh, in 
next in order, we have the iconic Chippendales, uh, which wasn't on the episode in Peacock. Uh, and we all know about it. Well, me and Matt know about it. It's the the breakout for Chris Farley, man. You know, he was already on the show. He had done some funny stuff here and there. But this right here, uh, this was Welcome to the Show, Chris Farley. And uh, imagine being there 1990 and you're watching this for the first time and you see this guy he's a new cast member and he just takes over the show i mean this what and you're right this was like the linchpin moment where it was like oh yeah boom and he's just all over the place and uh yeah dude i mean i've seen this skit so many times it's just like <laughs> Chris Farley has this way of being like, he's not dumb, but he's just like has this innocent thing where he's always like, you know, does like, like that kind yeah. of shit. He's like, yeah, yeah. you know, shyish. And yeah. this is so hilarious. And like, also just to have him do this where, I mean, the guy's fat, you know, it is what it is, but like he's next to Patrick fucking Swayze, you know? And I even think David Spade said something about this, like in an interview I watched somewhere where he's like, I think there were some people that were sort of like protective of Chris Farley that didn't want him to do this because they thought he was just going to be like people were going to laugh at him for the wrong reasons, you know, but uh, even David Spade was like, but once like he was in it and he was doing it and people were reacting to it, I mean, it was meant to be, you know, it's just hilarious. And and this is like. We didn't have anybody like this in any like at the time we didn't i mean just somebody being that size and being fearless about it like showing and throwing their weight around yeah we weren't um, around for like a belushi you know we had john candy that, but it wasn't it wasn't quite this you know this all, was man. right this was perfect for us like our generation like it, for me, dude, this guy was like a, I mean, he was an idol, but he was just like somebody I admired so much. You know? And it's sad. I mean, the the opposite end of that is just how tragic and shit his, the, his life ended up being. And I, I saw, you. I think you pointed this out in a past episode where they're doing like the dark side of comedies. Yeah. And I literally started it for like two minutes today, like the episode about him, but I haven't finished it. But yeah, dude, I mean, this was his... This was one of his moments to shine, and I, I mean, I it would be awesome to hear like what Patrick Swayze thought too. You know, I, I was always interested in that, like what he thought of this, and then like to be in that, and to, like they kept showing this. Like this was a, this is for this is timeless. You know, this is his staple, man. I mean, welcome to the show. This is so. I mean, what what made him an overnight legend? I mean, you went from being like a a, a bit player on a popular show to becoming like, all right, I think after this point, people started writing like starring bits and skits for him. Yeah, Matt like, Foley, that. Uh, and I mean, he would just come into shit and just kill it no matter what. I remember there was like this funny skit I think was also on his best of that was, it was like this uh, Japanese game show and but he's like an American tourist <laughs> that's competing yeah. and shit, but he did you know, and even in that, he's just like a confused guy and his intensity and stuff. Yeah, man. He, he made you, and I haven't felt like this. I mean, I think maybe since Will Ferrell might have gotten me a little bit like that cast. Yeah. Um, 
you I mean you wanted to watch it that night so you could see what they were gonna do with them you know like I remember that just being excited to watch it and I was a little kid you know like you don't stay up that late but even my mom and dad would let me do that shit because everybody loved them and it just it hasn't been this way in a while where like guys like this are performing it's like like you know he's every time he shows up something's gonna be funny uh, yeah, I mean, he could just be in the background. Like he would—he even does that in this, in uh, the other, the white trash bed and breakfast skit, where he's just like in there for a little bit, but he's the bright spot. You know, he'll he'll turn trash into a treasure, basically. And we also miss a Johnny Carson bit. It's a Tonight Show, and uh, Chris Rock plays Arsenio Hall, and Jan Hooks plays Susan Day from Law and Order. Or in uh, or LA Law, I'm sorry, um, but like I said, that one was omitted from the Peacock episode. And then we go to the White Trash Bed and Breakfast, which is kind of an ensemble skit. It's got uh, Kevin Nealon, it's got David Spade, it's got Rob Schneider, it's got Mike Myers, it's got, uh, of course, the host Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley, and the blonde chick too. And Jan Hooks. <clears throat> um, yeah, and it's weird. It's like chaotic almost. There's just a lot of screaming, like Swayze's acting completely insane. But going for it. That's another thing about this that I like about Patrick Swayze is even like the shitty episodes, like the shitty skits, like I didn't really think this one was great. Um, but he just, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's in there screaming, spitting white bread out of his fucking mouth, just, like, headbanging, basically, and just going crazy, and he goes for it. It's awesome. Well, they had its moments. Like, uh, Mike Myers comes in with the dead dog, and Patrick Swayze's like, Put him in the sink! (laughs) (laughs) You want white bread with ketchup or white bread with onions and ketchup? (laughs) It is, but it's wild. It's another weird one. But and then I think even Phil Hartman shows up. He's like the dad, you know. He shows up at the end. He's like, because I think Hartman. Dana Carvey's like, a, he's reviewing it as like a hotel, basically. He's like a guest there, and he's he's ordering some breakfast. And yeah, like while he's like ordering breakfast, that's when Mike Myers throws the dead dog onto the fucking table. <laughs> Why you do that? Uh, and then we go to an even wilder, weirder, I, what I thought was a funny ass <laughs> little sketch, the mousetrap seminar. <laughs> oh yeah. How could we forget the mousetrap seminar? Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> seminar, it helps people who don't quite grasp the concept of a mousetrap. What if, what if, can I get the cheese out of the mousetrap? No. Can I smell them? <laughs> that one guy with the fucking like bandage on his nose he's like what if you smell the cheese can i smell the cheese <laughs> what the fuck there was this guy named dino stamatopoulos that i think wrote for conan o'brien and i think him and like um it's a guy that does triumph the insult comic dog i think those guys like i think that guy i'm almost 100 percent like him or bob odenkirk wrote this fucking sketch <laughs> you know Something wacky like this. Uh, hey, what about what about rat traps? <laughs> Robert Schmeigel. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, Robert Smigel, the weird Greek uh, pervert cook and wedding singer. Yeah, I'm surprised nothing's came out on him yet. I guess just give it some time. <laughs> it's the look, I think. I think he, I'm sure he's it's... a perfectly good guy, but he just looks greasy. That's what's why he home? always plays a guy that's like, hey, hey, what's up? He's always like that guy in an Adam Sandler movie where he's got his shirt off. He's trying to bang some chick. Something weird's happening. And uh, Mariah Carey, something also uh, to note, the, the songs that she performed were Vanishing and Vision of Love. Hmm. I don't know those off the top of my head, but I would have loved to see them. Steve. I'd love yeah. to see any of the musical performances. So, hey, Peacock, before we move on, just get your head firmly removed from your Just remove it. Get somebody to take it out of your ass because it's insane. The fact you removed that sketch from, again, it's, the, it's one of the greatest sketches of all time. I get if it's on a best of, but why would you remove it from the actual episode you're showing on your fucking platform? Son of a bitch! Uh, and also in 1990, NBA Inside Stuff debuts on NBC with Ahmad Rashad and Hannah Storm. Ahmad Rashad, dude. After every Saturday morning cartoon show was done, this was what came on right after, Steve. This looks like the background for a lot of our grade school picks. That's actually the background that, uh, I don't know if you saw those photos my wife got of our dog. Yep. The, this is the exact background behind him that I'm seeing, and that's hilarious. But you're right, man. It would be Saturday morning cartoons, Saved by the Bell, and then Inside Stuff, man. Uh, you know, we, we started to become more mature as kids. It's like, oh, go from the kids stuff to the high school stuff to the NBA stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be the next Jordan. No, not really. Yeah. I like that McDonald's cup, though. I'll take that. Super yeah, hell yeah. Let me get that. Let me get that Dream Team Cup stat. And hey, bring those back. If you're going to make adult Happy Meals, make it something worth our while. Sorry, Steve. I'm really got a lot of grinds or gears grinding right now. But back to Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, I, I love this. And sometimes Muggs, you know, it, he'd do like... I don't really remember what the, happened in the show. I think it was like showing like they do like a little thing with an athlete. Like maybe Muggsy yep. Bogues would come on or do some shit. You know, I don't remember do the little, structure. They do little feature stories like, you know, a little interview with Alonzo Morning. They'll do a little interview with Muggsy Bogues or interview with Sean Kemp. Like, hey, how do you train Gary Payton? And then they'll do a little talking piece with the, uh, you know, maybe one of the coaches uh, then of course there's going to be an episode with mj oh yeah i mean he had to come on exactly maybe Shaq would come on he'd get a hitter every once in a while you'd be like i'm definitely gonna watch this even if it's but, right at the end i'm watching this shit but like this is early 90s uh 1990 to be exact and it, it was stuff like this that helped be, make these nba players household names um, they started to become head and shoulders above the other sports, uh, you know, more so than MLB, more so than NFL. Of course, we had our Emmett Smiths, Barry Sanders, Joe Montana's, then we had our Kirby Puckett's and Ken Griffey Jr.'s. But these guys, you got to see more of them, see their personalities, uh, and sometimes go into their homes with Ahmad Rashad and Hannah Storm. 
Hannah Storm looking like she's about to run for office. Yeah, for years, Hannah Storm can get that work. She still can get that work. Sure. Ahmad Rashad also just a legend, dude. I just, uh, he, I don't know. He's got that voice. He was made to like do sports broadcasting, and he was an athlete also. So correct. Uh, well, yeah, he was a Pro Bowl running back for yeah. the Minnesota Vikings, and he was also uh, the ex-husband of Felicia Rashad, the GOAT of TV moms, in my opinion, uh, Claire Huxley. Ahmad was getting into Claire's draws? Dude. Yeah, in real life. No no TV, no live audience. <laughs> oh, boy, boy. <laughs> Jello pudding for Theo and Rudy. Shout out to Ahmad Rashad, though. Definitely, uh, I forgot about NBA Inside Stuff, Steve. It eased you into the day. You know, you had all that sugary cereal. You were just kind of like getting over the disappointment that the cartoons were over. And then this came on and brightened your day. Maybe made you want to go out and shoot some hoops. It was then uh, wrestling. And then we we had uh, Saved by the Bell, NBA Inside Stuff. And then we got to wrestling in the noon man and uh in 1990 also in october 27th we had halloween havoc uh pay-per-view put together by nwa uh, it took place at the uic pavilion in chicago illinois and this was also the final halloween havoc produced by wcw under the nwa uh, as in january of 91 the wcw would split from the nwa Halloween Havoc, though, what a great name for any event. <clears throat> so they had the marketing locked in on this. Now, who who are we seeing in this, Steve? I know there was probably some familiar faces. No, this one, it was pretty cool. It was all right. It wasn't bad. Uh, the Steiner brothers, uh, they had a match against the Nasty Boys, uh, your boys. <laughs> and um, what was cool about this one is the Frankensteiner. Scott Steiner, uh, he used his Frankensteiner, and this was for the United States Tag Team Championship. Uh, that match was 15 minutes. We also had a match between Doom and Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and that was won by Doom uh, for the Tag Team uh, NWA Championship, but the main event was Sting defeating Sid Vicious for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Was that Surfer Sting? Yeah, hell yeah, it was Surfer, it's a surfer fucking Sting. sting. It's, God, dude. Sid Vicious. I love the graphics. Up. Yeah, that's great. I do like that. Where's the Sting mask, Steve? Halloween's this sting coming mask. up. Yeah, I want and, this. And, and we also had uh, a young... Damn. Look at Jim Michael. Ross, Steve. <laughs> Jim Ross and Paul Heyman as, as Vampire. Um, Jim and Ross Tony known Giovanni. as the guy that sang Mambo Number no. Five, or <laughs> I don't know, either that or the Robert De Niro character in Cape Fear, some shit. Yeah, he's just laughing, smoking a cigar in a movie theater. <laughs> you know what's weird, Steve? You know the movie they show in that Sidetrack Sally? They're showing Problem Child in that movie. <laughs> That's why he's laughing oh, so wow. hard in that theater. Hey, I, now I get it. It's it's a hilarious movie. Damn, Should Paul Heyman, dude. Paul Heyman's looking. He's looking great. He at least has some hair. But Jim Ross, I mean, how many, how much fucking puss did he get that night? He's looking suave, man. My client. 
uh, yeah, so that was in 1990. In 1991, we had another Halloween Havoc. In Halloween Havoc 91. Yeah, and this one is at the UTC Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, this was the first Halloween Havoc uh, uh, under the new WCW banner after succeeding from NWA. And in this uh, main event, we had Lex Luger defeating Ron Simmons for the WWE Come on. Championship. Come on. Lex Luger. Lex Luger. Defeats Ron Simmons. I mean, nobody's defeating. He's got bigger guns than Lex. He's the only guy with fucking a physique that can even match this guy at the time. Look at Lex, though. He looks like a trucker that just lifts weights in the, like constantly while he's driving. The total package, who really was never the total package, because in my opinion, the total package not only just has the look, he can put on a good match and he can work a mic. Uh, the latter of the two, Lex Luger cannot do. Yeah, unless you want to watch a guy bent, like shoulder press a dude over his head, yeah. which is hard. I can't do it, Steve. But you know what? You gotta, you gotta at least be able to throw a couple words together. I'm no wordsmith, but I mean, Lex, you were out there fucking uh, suplexing Yokozuna on a fucking uh, aircraft carrier for America, Steve, and yet no charisma. I'm pissed now. Just a lot of fucking muscle. No drip. Just his, his hair's even fucked up. Like he doesn't even have it together physically, Steve, because his hair it's running away from his body. There's too much testosterone. He's got what I I don't I don't have too much testosterone, but he has what I have. That like gross, like straw white people hair. Where it just looks dry all the time. You could put water in that, it's gonna look like that more like the incomplete package and you know what the the first match was more interesting because the first match was a chamber of horrors match and that one had sting el Gante, the steiner brothers abdullah the butcher the diamond stud uh, r.i.p to scott hall cactus jack and big van vader r.i.p and, and that in this one, blood was popping out. Uh, Cactus Jack got popped upside the head with a cane. And uh, <laughs> I think the, the loser of the match gets electrocuted. Uh, Abdullah oh, the Butcher. Yeah. Abdullah the Butcher got electrocuted on uh, on accident. But uh, I guess that's how you... And that was the opening match. 1991 Halloween Havoc. Man, that's a wild image you're showing behind you. Rick Steiner's in <laughs> like, a fucking gimp cage. Uh, also, you know who I didn't like, Steve? El Gigante. I don't like any of those gigantic tall dudes. It was just like, all they can do is limp around. You know? That's all they can do. Just look big as fuck. And it, when he joined WWF, he became Giant Gonzalez. And he had this feud with Undertaker that lasted, what, two minutes. Because... It should have been. It, they should never have signed him. And especially, like, okay, physically. You're 10 feet tall. This is awesome. You look crazy. Hey... Let's get a weird nude-colored suit on with some fur everywhere where it looks like he's got pubes growing out of his shoulders and tits and stuff. Like, the whole thing was all fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like, let's put a fucking, like, leotard on him that's body body size, and he has these furry pubes. Um, and muscles, fly. like, drawn in. It's like, we gotta make this guy look crazy. It's like, no, this looks like some fucking Kmart costume that you fucking made stretched onto this fucking gigantic dude that you found who really, I mean, no disrespect, because he's dead, right? 
Yeah, R.I.P. to Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> Guys that big don't live long. It's like you get a little, and even him, like he had his time to shine and wrestle and whatnot, but like it didn't last long because, I mean, they can't do it. They're fucking, something snaps. There's only so much you can do. He, he reminded I, me of sorry. like the guy. He was like the true value, Richard Simmons. Uh, he would be on like early in the morning before we went to school. He would be. He would do like this aerobic show on like PBS, and his costume was like drawn on muscles and shit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hell yeah, That's dude! Weird. Hell yeah, that was super weird, dude. I forgot about that. That almost seems like something you'd see in like a uh mr show episode like it's fake you know but that was a real thing i'm gonna have to try to look that up and it was on for years i remember that fucking guy whatever his name was but you know somebody who probably didn't watch halloween havoc 91 on october 27th matthew who probably twins pitcher jack morris because him and his baseball team won the world series Uh, those minnesota twins beat the atlanta braves one to nothing in 10 innings in game seven at the hubert h humphrey metrodome uh this is their second title since moving to minneapolis and jack morris was the mvp was kirby puckett on this team steve kirby puckett was totally on this team and he was looking like he was about to have a seizure running those bases (laughs) (laughs) i mean dude was hitting him out of the park steve that's why he hit home runs so he didn't have to run too fast Reminded me yeah, of, I can just uh, take like a little leisurely stroll here instead of fucking run my ass off. It was like Herman Munster running. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the Minnesota Twins hats for some reason. Simple, it's not a crazy design, but I always wanted one. I like me some. I don't mind them. Curb stomp, curb stomp, whatever you want to call them. I mean, that's the that's the twins' legend right there, Steve. And, and I don't mind the twins; they never gave me issues, despite being in the same division as my tribe called Guardians. Uh, but this World Series is considered by many to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, World Series. Um, with five of its games decided by a single run, four decided in the final at-bat, and three going into extra innings. Uh, in addition, the suspense of the outcome of many of its games, the series had other highlights. Uh, for example, the series deciding seventh game was a scoreless tie, 0-0, through the regular nine innings and went into extra innings. And Minnesota won one zip in the 10th, and uh, Jack Morris was the pitcher, uh, having a complete game. Damn, he pitched 10 innings? Yeah. Oh, Insane, dude. right? He had one of those, like, big-ass ice packs that they, that dude had on. And uh, Tom, si- what's his name? The guy in fucking uh, Major League, the catcher. Wow thing. Yeah. Now the catcher, the guy who's the catcher, oh. he's old and shit, falling apart. He had, like, giant-ass oh. ice picks on, or ice packs. Dude, I'm oh. High. I'm too high to talk. You're talking about uh, I can't. What, what the fuck was his name? I keep wanting to say Tom Sizemore, and it's definitely not right. Nah, he was in that movie The Substitute. Yeah, which was also in the '90s. God uh, damn it, Steve! Tell me who fucking was in The Substitute and who was in Platoon. Uh, Tom. It's got to be Tom something. Please tell me it's Tom. To everybody, it's sorry, we're potheads. Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, hell yeah. 
Tommy Berenger, dude. He was fucking ice packed up, and that's probably what fucking homeboy was after ten innings. You know, he went back to Minnesota just pounding some beers. You know, they got those guys, these nineties teams, they were partying. Look at that guy on the right. The one guy, whoa. That that's mustache. the guy? That's that's Jack Morris, final the World Series MVP with that mustache, you goddamn right he was. Damn. Fucking just giving Mount Mustache rides after he won that game. He looks like fucking Randy Johnson. Yeah, try to hit this motherfucker. This mustache, I bet you won't. Dude, he'll, he'll eat some pussy and then go just fucking give you a nice jab on the fucking jaw. Just knock you out. One punch, dude. That was his secret weapon. It's fucking it's Da Vinci Code right there. <laughs> da Vinci mustache, Code. Mustache full of pussy juices. <laughs> yep, that's it. I mean, I hope so because I'm about to rock that mustache again. I'm sick of this beard, Steve. I need to get back into them Tom Selleck days. I'm getting, I'm looking good. I'm looking right and tight. I need to get this mustache and fucking show it's the there. Floor. Man, you're in George Michael territory. No, I'm not that sexy. I don't got that crazy earring and that vibe, Steve, but I might go into a fucking, I might go into a fucking men's room and just, you know, stomp my foot and <laughs> see what happens. You gotta have faith. But in 1992, SWV releases their debut album, It's About Time, and it's got the tracks right here. I'm so into you, and weak in the knees, I can hardly speak, I lose some control. That shit goes hard in the motherfucking paint. I was not a huge SWV fan, but I've dated enough black chicks. I've heard a lot of SWV, Steve. So. Oh my god, I like I love this album. I can't tell much about any albums after, but of all the SWV work, this is the one. Uh, and it also has the track "Gotta Be Downtown." That's the only way to find my love. You know what they mean when they say downtown, right? Eat that booty, Steve. You got to eat that pussy and that ass. And back in the day... <laughs> Sam Jackson, that shit. I eat everything. I eat the pussy, I eat the butt, I eat every motherfucking thing. Yeah. That back in the day, our R&B songs had innuendo. You had to decode the lyrics. Now, these little kids, they're just out and about making whole songs with eating booty in the fucking chorus, in the in the lyrics, in the verses, eating pussy and sucking ditties. Yeah, it, it's just like we didn't have to do the homework. Now, like back then, it had a nice little New Jack beat. It gotta go downtown. <laughs> Shit, bitch, I am downtown. All right. Oh, she meant downtown. Downtown. It's a, it's a roadmap, Steve. They didn't need to, like, just tell you flat eye. They need to let you figure it out, too. But they'll lay it out for you. You just got to put your mind to it a little bit. These kids now, it's just like... They don't want to do no the room for wordplay, Steve. Hey, they want the immediate response they want the instant gratification they don't want to have to search for shit work for shit just dig up in your google phone yeah i mean and also the the level of like porn and shit it's getting wild i don't want to sound like an old man but i i you know you're looking through some porno every once in a while you'll stumble upon some dark shit and this is one thing i heard brought up and i just want to you know around the horn on this one steve do you think I'm a, I'm a firm no in this. I just don't think it's physically possible. Do you think a triple anal situation is possible? 
three dicks in the ass at once. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think mechanically there's any, unless you have a guy with like a three foot dick that could like go I, in between the other guys, you know, in some way. It's possible, but it's also hardly <laughs> possible that all parties involved will survive after said instant. I mean, the chick's dead because she's gonna. If that guy's got a three foot dick, she's about to be spit roasted on that thing. And also, you know, just sound off in the comments, guys. Do you think a triple penetration situation is possible now or maybe in the 90s? <laughs> is this 90s related? Probably because, you know, maybe Ron Jeremy did it or something, Steve. I don't know. Perfect. are supposed to stretch booty holes or not uh but also in 1992 various artists released the aladdin original motion picture soundtrack and the only reason i'm bringing this up is because it had a whole new world a whole new world and you fantastic yeah i mean that shit was fire dude aladdin Dude, rest in peace, Robin Williams. Because, I mean, that's really why we were all going to the party, but... Fuck yeah. And we disavow the knowledge of that weird live action. I didn't even watch it, but I saw it on, like, a plane one time. Just, I saw five seconds of it. I was like, nope, nope, can't do it. No, I I watched the first, like, the opening scene, and yeah, same. And I liked me some Will Smith, but, like, man... Nah, dog. I definitely am not talking shit about Will Smith. Will, I am not, but that movie was some hot trash. This is in no way uh, an indictment on you. But uh, yeah, shout out to Regina Bell and Peebo Bryson. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but also on that same day, ACDC releases their live album. And Matthew, what do you know about some ACDCs? I mean, I they they're all over the place in the '90s, you know. Thunderstruck, all the hits. I know I can't name names, but we all know the ones. Uh, For those about yeah, to rock, like that, the whole thing. Say? I love ACDC. I don't know if I would like to see them now if they exist or if, those, if that's even possible. But yeah, dude, not. ACDC used to get. I mean, just fire up music, dude. Fuck yeah. It, <clears> uh, <throat> fucking varsity blues dude the 90s brought them back too we were using their fucking music all over the place and beavis and butthead hell yeah dude they're from the same class as aerosmiths as the kisses but and you know aerosmith like you get a pass you got some shit off of it kiss fuck off but this shit they they rock these are one of those groups where i feel like they embody rock and roll uh, yeah the hell original yeah guy the, the original guy was so hardcore he died he smoked <laughs> cigarettes every day bon scott he was a badass he would get into bar fights and he he was living breathing rock and roll uh but the guy that replaced him brian johnson he just he rocks just as much he basically took that baton as like ah there was no help no help from you it's that voice, dude. They got a singular voice. They got Angus Young looking insane like a little rock troll in a schoolboy mm. outfit, just killing it. Yeah, dude. I love. I mean, I'm not going to ever besmirch ACDC. Is it, was it something I listened to constantly? No, but dude, I mean, like I said, they had that shit on movie trailers, in movies. I mean, it just gets you fucking... Listen to it and just lift some weights or something. Do something. 
fired up. They, they get you shrill. Uh, as someone who probably didn't purchase any of these albums, October 27, 1992, uh, was United States Navy radio man, Alan R. Schindler Jr. Uh, he was murdered by shipmate Terry Helby for being gay, precipitating debate about gays in the military that results in the United States don't ask, don't tell military policy. Hmm. Well, I, I, I was gonna make a joke and I'm really glad I didn't because I would've put my foot in my mouth, but man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I, was in the Navy, right? In the Navy. That was always the thing. Why? Maybe that was why this was a, a, like the Navy was always like the gay military, you know, like that was always the joke, I think. And no one's looking. Hey, um, tragic. That sucks. Yeah. Be gay. I mean, fucking do whatever. Be, I mean, that sucks. Be gay and join the military because I tell people I'm not doing the shit. So if a man just happens to be on the homosexual side of things and he wants to sign up, fucking little, are you going to sign up? Are you going to, are you, are you, are you, no, shut the fuck up then. Plus also, you got to think about this in like mental warfare too. I mean, if like put yourself in the uh, boots of a soldier, you're going up against an American army just filled with gay dudes. You're going up against jack dudes anyway. They're, they're Marines. But then, not only are they going to come take over your town, they're going to fuck you in the ass. And they're going to enjoy that shit a lot. And you're not. So, I mean, that's like some mental warfare shit, too, where they're like, this is crazy. This guy fucking spit roasted him. This is fucking insane. Uh, I'm back for more. (laughs) That one thing you did. The AC did. That destroyed. (laughs) Doom, 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 doom. Can you touch? Can you touch under my mustache? Yeah, well, we get at the knees. Doom, 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 doom. Can you play with my hairs, the natural curly hairs? Please do touch. Uh, but in 1995, October 27th, Goosebumps debuts on Fox Kids. Hey. Was it? Are you afraid of the dark? Absolutely not. But we all. I loved these books when I was a kid. This was like when. Uh, that book fair shit came to town. I Michael Jordan that. poster, please, and a goosebumps. Corvette. Hmm. Maybe a Ferrari. Corvette. <laughs> Ferrari poster. Uh, and I remember this fucking puppet guy, this ventriloquist guy. He looked like the football coach for Perrysburg High School. <laughs> yeah, dude. Coach fucking, touch uh, on people. Oh, man, what was his name? Something crunchy. <laughs> I don't know, but... Uh, in the movie, they made a movie of Goosebumps a while back with Jack Black. Yeah. He played like R.L. Stein, but he also did the voice of that puppet, and it was awesome. But, uh, but this show is great, few... dude. What was your favorite Goosebumps book, Steve? You had to have one. I, I don't think I own one. Oh, what? Yeah. The one no. with the camera that when you took it, it showed like how you were going to die or whatever. That one, that's a good book. And this was kids' books. It's wild. I mean, dark. it had a huge following, man. I mean, I had friends who, like, collected these, man. I just wasn't one of them. I still uh, have. My mom saved all my shit. I, I have a box full of Goosebumps, Steve. I don't know if they're worth anything, but, you know, if you want to read the slime on or whatever, you know, I got it. You want that good shit? I got it. I'll, I'll keep that in mind, buddy. 
but in 1995, a copycat premiered in theaters. Uh, an agoraphobic psychologist and a female detective must work together to take down a serial killer who copies serial killers from the past. Uh, directed by John Amiel, starring Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mulroney, William McNamara, and Will Patton. Hmm. I'm pretty sure I've seen this on HBO. Damn, now that I saw that, uh, the poster, I definitely remember that. It seems like it's a good movie. Um, it got, like, middling reviews, you know, in the sixes, maybe a seven here and there. A lot of murder, like, suspense movies in the 90s. You know, man, I don't know what's going on with movies now. I feel like there's genres of movies that used to be, like, really common movies, and there's just not a lot of that shit anymore. I don't, but I don't remember... You said Sigourney Weaver's in this. Yeah. Well, she's it, a badass, but I don't remember this movie. And it seemed like these kind of thrillers happened like predominantly in the mid nineties, mid mid to late nineties. When uh, did Seven but, uh, come out, Steve? Seven was ninety five. So there you go. I bet that's yeah. that's what fueled it. Uh. And maybe Natural Born Killers too. I you know. A little bit. Natural Born Killers, that was like 94, I want to say, and uh, Unusual Suspects was 95, uh, but also 95, October 27th, Leaving Las Vegas premiered in theaters. Uh, ben Sanderson, a Hollywood screenwriter who lost everything because of alcoholism, arrives in Las Vegas to drink himself to death. There he meets and forms an uneasy friendship and non-interference pact with prostitute Sarah. Directed by Michael Figgis, starring Nicolas Cage, Elizabeth Shue, and Julian Sands. Dude, I, and, I used to love Elizabeth Shue, Steve. I had the biggest crush on her. And this movie's got a lot of her and a lot of nakedness. And, and I do remember seeing this when it came on HBO. Um, but I, I don't remember getting the accolades like it got. Uh, Cage received a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor and Academy Award for Best Actor. She was nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actress and Academy Award, uh, a Golden Globe for uh, Best Actress. Um, film also received nominations for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Director. Yeah, I, uh, this movie is super dark. It's not... It's not really fun to watch because it literally is a guy like killing himself with booze and it's sort of like they mix a little like they try to like redeem him with like a love story with this hooker but yeah it's uh it's wild and this isn't like Nick this is Nick Cage like acting he's not acting like Nick Cage a lot you know he's not the aloof well not that as much as like that over the top like that face off Nick Cage that like 90s action movie Nick Cage this is more of like a subdued it's a very like cerebral slow brooding it's like a character study movie it's not it's not something you want to watch like with a bunch of buddies you know it's pretty dark and uh, also in 95, Powder premiered in theaters. Uh, the film is about Jeremy Powder Reed, who, is an, who has an incredible intellect, as well as telepathy and paranormal powers, like controlling lightning and magnetism. It questions the limits of human mind and body, while also displaying society's capacity for cruelty and raises hope that humanity will advance to a state of better understanding. It will not. No. And this movie was stupid. I mean, that's very idyllic, what they said, but... I mean, basically, this guy is so... He's in a... I didn't, I don't remember, like, everything about it. I just remember he was locked in a basement. Then he's smart. And he has, like... 
weird phenomenon powers. But then, yeah, there's like magnetism. It's a whole thing. And it's just very disturbing to watch because he looks like death from uh, Bill and Ted walking around. You he know? totally does. And uh, it's directed by Victor Salva, starring Mary Steenburgen, Sean Patrick Flannery, Lance Henriksen, and Jeff Goldblum. And the film was a financial success, but the critical reviews were mixed, and the film's release dogged with controversy due to the director Victor Salva's prior conviction for child sex abuse. That's, dude, I, so I forget, I like saw that on like a internet video thing. I was like, what scandal could have Powder been about? But the, yeah, that dude was like some sort of sick fucking child molester. And the movie, you know, it, it was a thing. It got big. I remember this like popping off where you were seeing it on TV and obviously there was a lot of people renting it and shit. But yeah, I, this movie was a, a dud for me. I remember even as a kid, I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, and also in 95, a vampire in Brooklyn premiered. A ship docks in Brooklyn with all its crew dead, but someone gets off and the killing continues on land. A Caribbean vampire searching for a specific woman, half human, half vampire. Directed by Wes Craven, as starring Eddie Murphy, Angela Bassett, Alan Payne, and Kadeem Hardison. I mean, I remember loving this movie. It's, it's not the top anything, but it's Eddie Murphy... You got a lot of hits on this and i mean it's it's funny it's got it's got this weird it's, i don't remember it being laugh out loud funny a lot but it's got like a comical no. it's like over the top it's like one of those old like uh 90s almost don't be a menace to south central movies but not as over they're not the like that is yeah. it's not a parody and exactly. it also had john witherspoon r.i.p uh but on imdb it got a 4.8 i believe Nah, that's that's false. I mean, it's enjoyable to watch, but this was like I don't know. This is like a weird time. They were trying to figure Eddie Murphy out a little bit, and this one came out. It's cool that Wes Craven made it. I think that's really fucking dope because he is a legend. But yeah, you know, other than having Eddie Murphy, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't watch it. I, I think this is before he reconfigured himself into uh, the next realm of his career. Uh, this is before Nutty Professor, and I feel like Nutty Professor is kind of like, no, nah, dude, I need to reclaim my place as the king, the real king of comedy. Uh, and Nutty Professor didn't happen until that following year in 96. Uh, speaking of 96, Papa Video premieres on VH1. And uh, they need to bring that back, man. You know, you new millennials, uh, it's, we watched music videos and they forced us to read little tidbits about things like, oh, George Michael got arrested for some uh, obscenity charges. That's, yeah, that's good to know. Little Snapple facts for you while the videos. But I love this, too. Snapple. I mean, this was one of the only reasons to watch VH1 for a while, Steve. Really? The fucking, oh, the drummer lost, the drummer of Def Leppard lost fucking one arm. But he's still drumming. Oh, that's fucking crazy. He's the drummer. You need, I thought you needed all your limbs. Well, not this motherfucker. He uses his dick. <laughs> that, that was actually on the pop up videos. <laughs> See? These, they would never understand. <laughs> But also in 96, Halloween Havoc 96 this time. Uh, this event was notable for the first appearance of former WWF wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. He makes his appearance after leaving WC or WWF the previous month. Um, and yeah. they left they left WWF and they just said, fuck, get me on tomorrow. I'm out Saturday from WWF. I want to be on fucking Monday Night Raw monday fuck it 
Dude, look at Hogan, bro. And they, Evil and Hogan. They this was the day. This this these were the days. Dude, this is we probably watched this and uh look, look at that. Yeah. It's almost like Sting and Hulk Hogan mixed like smashed together. That's great. Dude. Hulkster. Hold on. <laughs> I love Hulk Hogan, Steve. Here's a here's yeah, one of my goals. He has like a restaurant uh somewhere in Florida, I think in Tampa. We gotta go to Hulk Hogan. He shows up and does karaoke on Tuesdays, Steve. I've heard about it. It's a thing. We gotta go. And uh, I mean, he's one of my legends, man. Like, I would love to meet him. Um, like, I just hope he doesn't have that kind of haircut. Even Michael Buffer's like, "What the fuck is he got?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Dude, what?" You left. I don't remember like this. this Hulk Hogan, Steve. This fucking. He's really fucking embracing the the short do here and. I miss the the weird fucking wet blonde locks that he used to have. Yeah. I don't know. I miss this too, but Halloween Havoc '96 was wild. Hold it, the fuck! I don't know. Did Guy Fieri produce this fucking Halloween Havoc, Steve? What the fuck? I don't know if that's Photoshop or if Macho Man's <sighs> being petty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look yeah. ridiculous, brother. <laughs> Like you know, the hairline. Just let it bleach. go, brother. <laughs> yeah, you can't comb over for too long. Uh-huh. Oh man, dude, they did all that was a. They had a nice blow hook up that night, Steve. Everybody just went wild. They were like, "Fuck it." Looks <laughs> uh, crazy. That's insane. And the main event in this one was uh, Hollywood Hogan versus Macho Man, and Hogan won, of course. Um, but in 1997, Alonzo Ball, American basketball player, is born. Uh, he is the, the first star of the big baller brand, the, the oldest child of uh, the Ball family. Uh, his younger brothers, Leangelo Ball and LaMelo Ball, who's an actual all-star. Um, but yeah. How's this guy doing? They're, they're all doing like semi-decent though, right? Aren't two of them on the same team right now? Well, he's doing well. His The youngest brother is the one that's doing the best. He won Rookie of the Year, and he was an all-star, I believe, uh, or he will be. And uh, But the, the middle child, it's always the middle child. He just can't make a roster. He was on the Hornets with the younger brother. Then they just cut him. Uh, they give him, like, 10-day contracts, and he just he can't cut the mustard. But Lonzo, he's currently with the Chicago Bulls, and they're doing well. Nice. The what's that guy? There's like a bald white dude that's on there that looks like he's like 20, but he looks 50. AC, yeah, he was on the Lakers, I think. Caruso, yeah, hell, he won, he won a championship. Caruso, with, yeah. yeah, he always wears the headband. Uh, but yeah, he looks in, uh, 50 90, years old. In uh, 1998, Drew Hill releases their second album, Enter the Drew, and this. Just like the SWV album, it reflects the time that we were in. Um, listening to Enter the Drew, it, it gives you that late R&B vibe. Whereas the SWV, they have a certain New Jack swing, like Teddy Riley, uh, babyface influence sound. These guys, it's more of that Jermaine Dupri-ish, um, like I said, late 90s. And Cisco's in Drew Hill, right? Like there he is. is. I was gonna say, I know that hair. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, Drew Hill, I mean, how many, they were dropping panties. And then Cisco went and fucking, I guess, outgrew them a little bit and got some platinum hair and said, fuck it. Chunks like a truck, 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 
but on this album they do a key sweat remake called how deep is your love and i know you will love this matthew yes okay yeah, that, i'm in that, if you say key sweat anything i'm in i've been listening to a lot of r&b steve a lot of it recently shit. even working out i've been listening to uh um I mean, not this isn't the greatest example of R&B, but he's got some hitters. Even Jamie Foxx has some fucking hitters, dude. Oh yeah. That he had one album that I think Kanye like helped produce that has a uh, buy you a drink and shit on it, dude. There's some bangers. Are you, are you talking about T-Pain? That's T-Pain. No, but there's like a song there he has like a T-Pain song on it. I'm just trying to remember. Mm-hmm. It's got like a there's a song called Weekend Lover, and it's just, I know there's some middle-aged women just fingering themselves to it. You're talking about unpredictable, not the usual, tonight. So I try. I don't know. I just know Ke- Jamie, Jamie Foxx has an embarrassment of riches. He's acting, he's handsome, uh, and he can, like, croon, so... You know, bow down, I guess. But yeah, R and B dude, Cisco. Let's get some Cisco on here. Let's let's make it moist in here, Steve. Make them say yeah. In the nineteen ninety nine, South Park airs the episode Corn's Groovy Pirate Ghost Mystery. The rock band Corn visits South Park during Halloween to solve the mystery of the pirate ghosts that are terrifying the town. Yeah, this is I mean, season three of South Park and they are so famous. They got corn. They got fucking they corn. got at the height, Steve. And I gotta say, at the end, we're, we're, we don't have to like go all the way to it, but at the end, when they play this shit, I was like, I gotta get some corn in my life again. Song from and, Issues. Uh, falling away from me. Uh, they actually have a Halloween intro, special Halloween episode. Uh, and then we start off, there's a 102.1 FM, extra easy listening. And they're announcing that Corn is coming to town for performance. And uh, we see the kids, they're, they're getting ready. Uh, I guess they want to get in on this Corn action. And we, we cut to Uncle, was it Uncle Ned or Uncle Jimbo? Yeah. yeah I got him mixed up. No, Jimbo's Ned. the guy, He's or Ned's the one that can talk. Yeah, un- Uncle, Uncle Ned and Jimbo. Uh, and he's like, this ain't a horror house. It's a horror house. <laughs> yeah, they fucked up. And there was a lot of guys pissed off. Apparently there's some illiteracy issues going on in South Park. But yeah, they, they got a horror bash. Corn's playing it. Kenny, of all the costumes we see, Kenny's got like this insane like uh, RoboCop robot enforcer. shit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Which is people sleep on the enforcer robot. I, I like when seeing this episode. I was like, damn, I forgot about that. That's a it was such a cool episode. design. I mean, it got overshadowed because it had RoboCop in it, which was infinitely cooler. But I always yeah. thought that one, the Walker one, I was like, man, they killed that. Yeah, hell yeah, it never worked right, but hell yeah, it was dope. And uh, somehow Cartman winds up in the spooky laboratory. Uh, as soon as he goes in there, Dr. Spookalot, he fucking <laughs> blindfolds him. Uh, and he dips his hand in eggs, saying their eyeballs. <laughs> hey, dude. Yeah, and then he sticks his hand up a pony's ass. He's like, yeah, <laughs> this is cold spaghetti. Come on, guys, do this. This is the innards of a dead body. <laughs> What the fuck? And then he's going around saying his hand smells like spaghetti all the time, Steve. 
Um, and uh, as we they leave, and Cardinal's got a shit smeared hand. Uh, Father Maxi comes, and he's not into this. He's a priest, and he's against corn and their demonic, satanic music and their aggressive, violent music. Steve, he's not into it, and he says that they shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, or Halloween celebra- celebrations in general, because it's the devil's work. And he's just a fucking party pooper. Negative, Nancy. Uh, meanwhile, Corn's on their way to South Park. And while they're there, they run into the pirate ghost. Yeah. And I mean, he, uh, the kids are actually warned about these pirate ghosts by these fifth graders. There's like some fifth graders that are always like harassing the kids uh, around yeah. this time of South Park. And they're like, yeah, you better watch out. We're on the docks and the fucking pirate ghosts are going to get you. So they're all freaked out. And then they do. We see corn. And like the thing that we have to sort of describe to people is that this episode is kind of set up to be like corn is basically the Scooby-Doo gang. Um, you know, so they, they're in a van. They're in the corn van uh, with some weird alien duck chicken thing. Niblet or some shit. Niblet. Yeah. Uh, but they come to South Park, and sure enough, those those uh, bullies were talking about some weird pirate ghost, and Corn sees them, and something's afoot here, Steve. The gang's on it, possibly. <laughs> Nibble <laughs> Gee, Scoop. And uh, yeah, shout out to the influence of Scooby Doo because the, even the animation style for Corn—they try to like mimic that that old school Scooby Doo animation. Yeah, um, definitely with the ghosts, the the pirate ghosts or ghost pirates or whatever they are, whatever you want to call yeah. them. Yeah, they definitely pulled that one off. Awesome. Um, but also, the kids are like, "Yeah, fuck this! You're gonna bully us, fucking bullies!" So what happens is then. Uh, one thing, Cartman's very excited about Halloween, and uh, he's excited because that means Christmas is almost here, so he's going to start picking his presents out. So he goes home, he's looking at the catalog, we all used to do this, I remember getting a yeah. JCPenney catalog when I was little, I'm like, hell yeah, this thing, that's this Transformers thing, want that, you know, you, did you get it, I don't know, but while he's doing this, uh, the boys come in, and they're like, look, we gotta go, Cartman. Bring your fat ass here. And one funny thing in this scene, they keep calling Cartman fat and Cartman's mom keeps laughing every time. They're like, yeah, fucking fat ass. And she's like, (laughs) I love that. Uh, But they're going to go dig up uh, Kyle's recently deceased grandma uh, because they're going to fuck with these kids with a dead body. They're going to bring out a real ghost, Steve. Fifth graders aren't going to scare us. We're going to scare the fifth graders. And uh, while that's going on, Cartman, he's in anticipation for Christmas already. And there's a package that comes to the house. And it is a Antonio Banderas blow-up doll. And it's anatomically correct, Steve. Yeah, Cartman always thinking me, 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 thinking this is a gift for him. Not realizing that it's for his slut of a mom. I mean, even this thing's ready package. to go, Steve. I think it's got a fucking banana in the hammock ready to go. The package has a package. This Cartman, I mean, god damn. Get some real dick. But So they go dig this body up, Steve. Kyle's like, I don't know, guys. This isn't right. And Sam's like, fuck that, you little bitch. We're digging this old bitch up and fucking freaking these people out. So they pull this dead-ass woman out of the ground. They actually do it. Drag her ass to the dock. And hide her at the dock so they can get her in the morning and use her to fuck up, do something. I don't even know what the plan is. Uh, yeah. 
So they dropped the body off. I mean, so many things could have gone wrong here anyway. But the one thing that does go wrong is they leave the body in a hiding spot, but immediately a dog comes and just pulls it away. Little dead body chew toy. Yeah, he's about to get some fucking serious indigestion for sure. And we later find out that the Halloween haunt is canceled because of the pirate ghost, of course. Yeah, they show up and they actually, a pirate ghost shows up and somehow they figure out how to shoot a cannonball and like do something with like a ghost cannon. So I don't know. We get an explanation at the end and I'm not really sure how it all adds up. But yeah, so the pirates get the fucking thing canceled and Korn's like, well, what the fuck? Um, and as this is also happening, uh, you know, grave has been desecrated, Steve. So the next morning, this crew comes from the cemetery and they're like, Mrs. Carbon, uh, we have some news. Uh, your mother's grave has been robbed. She's gone. She's like, Oh my God, what's going on? And he's like, well, we don't know, but usually these guys most likely are fucking this corpse. And they go through like many details of like what's gonna happen. They're like, and yes, she's dry, so they gotta throw massive amounts of lube in there, and it's just like a squirty mess. Maybe they're creating new holes to fuck. Who knows? Well, it was it, it was Kyle's grandma. You said Cartman. Sorry, yeah, Kyle's yeah. grandma. My bad. And they're they're looking for the corpse, and Cartman's like, uh, yeah, she was crunchy and cringy and stuff. <laughs> And, and, like and they're they're on the lookout for the the grandma as well as try to find these pirate ghosts and get rid of them for good and then Fieldy's glasses fall off and he gets duped by one of the pirate ghosts and they're just like boo it's like Jonathan Davis is that you boo yeah that sounds like a great album yeah remember that and <laughs> I didn't even catch that line but yeah then Jonathan Davis shows up and he's like what. <laughs> And Classic also Snoopy, Snoopy doo shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, they actually use like the music too, like that's kind of like reminiscent of the Scooby Doo episodes. Yeah, they really did a good job. I mean, South Park, you can never compliment them enough because they always killed it, and I love this fucking episode. But I did like, <clears throat> just like how innocent they made corn they're like you know corn's this aggressive band they're just like hey guys golly gee uh-huh. you know <laughs> it's yeah. fucking hilarious and then at the end whenever they suck because they solve it by basically scooby-doo shit they see like a thing uh they pull it and father maxi's the ghost and he's like yeah yeah he they the way they explain it too they're like he used a a matchbook and some gum and that's how he made the ship and she's like oh what the fuck and two squirrels yeah and like so basically you went you did evil things to basically like counteract what you call as evil someone called them out on and it's always the like, case uh, steve that's how it yeah. always is steve they've been trying to manipulate us and trick us manipulation by manipulation but then corn at the end though they're like yeah guys this is great they, yeah we're gonna play a song Gush! and then they get all crazy and shit and they actually play it which i love so beating me beating me down down into the ground feeling so sound Meaning, right. yeah, that shit issues. It doesn't get a lot of credit, but it's a dope ass album. I, I love that shit, and it had cool art. The weird. I remember on the front. 
there was a fan uh, participation or kind of deal where like you send in your art or what you think the album cover should be and they picked like four different covers um, I had the popular one with the uh, the, the little brown ragdoll yeah that's the one I had too that's the one I remember but I forgot about that you're right it was like a fan submission thing which is super cool yeah. too but uh, someone who probably didn't watch this episode in October 27, 1999, probably the New York Yankees, New York Fankies, the New York Stankies, uh, because they defeated once again the Atlanta Braves, winning their second title in a row and their 25th in franchise history. Uh, this was the baseball classic. And the Yankees closer, Mariano Rivera, uh, who comes out to enter the Sandman, one of the baddest ass theme songs for a closer. He was the MVP. That's sick. See, that's like that is like some major league shit, dude. You're just feeling yourself. That's dope. I know. I forgot that was part of baseball, where like the closer comes out to some straight something cool. I, I would prefer being a closer just because of this. Hell like, yeah! Oh, what did fucking Randy Johnson come out to, dude? You know he came out to some fucking crazy shit. He was probably some Garth Brooks shit, but but he he was an opener. I don't know if openers had. You know, he was a starting yeah, that's pitcher. True. Uh, that's dope. I remember though. one okay. guy. Wow, dang. Yeah, dude. I remember one guy had the Ultimate Warrior theme song. He wasn't like a, a superstar closer guy, but we came out and he would run rampantly. Like <laughs> Hell yeah. Guy. I was going to ask he if he sprinted, home. dude. It was you have great, to. Man. That's part of it. If you got that music going, you have to sprint. Any comebacks, canker sores, reach around, good sir. I already said it, but just, hey, Peacock, don't fuck me again. I'm giving you good money. I want the full episode. And the logic, whatever logic's being used to omit these things and the musical guest, stop. Stop with it. Bad. What about you, don't Steve? Don't do it. Stop it. Uh, well, I, I would just like a brief rundown of all of the October 27th Halloween episodes. Uh, in 1992, Roseanne had Halloween 4. Uh, and 1994, Living Single had Trick or Trust. And Family Matters had Walking My Baby Back Home. Goosebumps had Haunted Mask. Uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper had Halloween. Uh, Simpsons in 96, they had Treehouse of Horror 7. And believe that's it we got we got some good ones we got some bangers you could check out some of those on hbo max some of them on hulu um but yeah I believe that's it man yeah i mean i love a good halloween episode but we had to cover snl steve i, I foolishly yeah, thought i was going to get to see that one skit because that's what i wanted and i did watch it i have it we're gonna i'm gonna put up some skits some parts of it because we talked about it but yeah dude treehouse of horror though I used to love that shit, dude. Those were always fun to watch. And, you know, that, that Chippendales, that's available on YouTube, uh, readily, widely available. And I will be at Chippendales stripping very soon. Yes. Once I get this it's... workout just really fine-tuned in. I mean, I'm right there, Steve. Give me a fucking bow tie and a fucking banana sling. I'm there. It's going to be kind of... I kind of have, like old stretch armstrong body but we can make it work dude if chris barley can i can i got it coming to the main stage vanilla rope mm, mm, mm. i'm just here to put myself through school <laughs> vanilla ice 
Please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Please ask your sister, can we spend a night, please? Check out Over the Culture on Sundays. Crush Gasm with Kendra. B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve. And don't worry, B-Movie. This is Steve G and Maggie with Happening in the 90s. Happy Halloween, bitch.